We welcome everybody joining us on another edition of the Sacramento State Stingers Up Football Podcast. I'm Jason Ross. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to those of you that have joined us in the past. Again, tell more of Hornet fans out there, more of the people that are believing in this program that we are out there. Subscribe to the podcast. Check us out each and every week. Today on the podcast, we look back at what was really an amazing weekend for Sacramento State football on the road, going to Colorado State, getting money to play up a level against the Rams, and then leaving with a convincing, and I mean convincing win. We'll recap that. We will also look ahead to the third of this three games in a row on the road for the Hornets. Saturday, first game in the Big Sky play for the Hornets against Cal Poly, longtime rival. We've got that preview. We'll look around the Big Sky as well. And we've got a special guest with us today. We're going to check in with Garrett Wolf. And Garrett's been a part of the program since the coaching staff changes And Garrett is really one of the uh, people involved in the program that does a little bit of everything, but that is instrumental in the overall success of the program as far as a lot of the things you guys may not see, but behind the stuff that's paramount into the success of the team. And just thought it would be kind of a different perspective to catch up and uh, get that perspective from Garrett, which will be coming up today on the podcast. But let's start with a look back. We always like to look back at what the Hornets have just gone through, and it was the final game of the non-conference schedule. And for me, when the schedule came out, I looked at the way it was laid out. And generally, you never give up any games. You never say automatically that's a loss. But I thought if the Hornets can get through their non-league schedule at 2-1, and one, that would be really great. They came in with expectations. They have met those expectations and maybe for some surpassed the expectations so far before league even starts this weekend for the Hornets. And so you hope you can get the home game, the home opener, Um, right against Utah Tech. The swing game felt to me like Northern Iowa, which a year ago the Hornets did not win that game, and their non-league record is 1-2. And And fortunately, though, they went 8-0 in conference play. But this year they get the home opener against Utah Tech. They then get that tough road game at Northern Iowa and get the win. And then when you get your guarantee game, which is the way we refer to that is playing up a level at FBS and get money. You're, You're basically helping to fund the program for football, uh, for other sports around Sacramento State, it's a it's a payday. And I don't have the official final word on the numbers, but uh, it was I heard between four hundred and four hundred and fifty thousand is what the Hornets were getting to go to Fort Collins and likely, more than likely lose to the Colorado State Rams. Now, I think I even said on last week's podcast that it would be an upset. I thought a minor one. Well, as the week went on, the Hornets ended up being the favorite going into the game and the line even moved from two to four and a half points. So that's where the program has evolved to. Uh, There's a high level of respect. Also on the flip side, Colorado state's down. You have to acknowledge that this is not a program um, right now that's playing well and where it had been and where they hoped to go under Jay Norvell, but that doesn't matter. They still have more scholarships. The facilities were amazing that they had at Colorado state. You could see why Jay Norvell took the job. Now he's got to get the players, but We're worried about Sac State, and Sacramento State went there, and I said it during the broadcast the last time uh, Steve and Danny and I were at these games when the Hornets had pulled off upsets as members of the FCS, beating an FCS team. It was in Corvallis beating Oregon State, and when Marshall Spurbeck elected to go for two and got it, we're screaming like crazy on a walk-off win there, and then the same the next year when the Hornets won at Colorado uh, when Castaneda hit the game-winning field goal. That was another screamer. This one was just a good old-fashioned start-to-finish total control butt-whooping. I mean, that's what the Hornets did. 
and the Hornets have been on the wrong end of those way too many times playing up. They improved their record overall to three wins now as an FCS team against FBS, and it was impressive. It was really impressive. So let's take a listen back to the highlights here of how it went last Saturday in Fort Collins, and never before had I felt this way about a game where the beginning of the game felt so critical. The first half has been brutal to Colorado State. Uh, You know they were extra motivated to get their win before going into the bye week, before they go into league play. So I felt like the start of the game was critical, and I felt personally an interesting choice. The Hornets won the toss, elected to defer, and I could see a road where that would not have played out well. Maybe Colorado State goes right down the field and scores, builds some confidence. They hadn't scored in the first half all season long. Well, instead, the Hornets gave up one first down. That was it. Got the stop, got the ball, and then went right down the field and put the first points on the board. Gibson to the left, Vulture goes in motion, O'Hara keeps it, tries to follow the block, gets to the goal line, he's in! Touchdown, Sacramento State! Off the right side, following the blockers, Asher O'Hara scores his fifth rushing touchdown of the year, 30th of his career, and 14th as a Hornet on a seven-yard touchdown run. All right, so 7 nothing there after yet another rushing touchdown for Asher O'Hara, who's been so effective on the ground this year and last year. For Sacramento State. All right, so then the Hornets are up 7 nothing. Now the important thing is, can you extend? Can you now become even more of a believer in yourself and really just crush the spirits of Colorado State? Well, it would happen, and maybe a break. One of the few breaks the Hornets got in the game because they really deserved everything they got. They totally outplayed Colorado State. But while they are driving, they're deep in scoring territory, and the Hornets do catch the break. On third and goal, hard count, fakes the handoff, looks, Throws to the end zone in traffic. Ball is tipped. It's high in the air. And then caught! Caught by Pierre Williams in the back of the end zone. That was up as high as the top of the goalpost in the air forever. And Pierre Williams high-pointed it with two hands at the back of the end zone for a Hornet touchdown. So now with 14 points on the board, it's about adding on and extending. Sacramento State would do just that as a still in the first half, still now breaking the spirit. You can just hear boos now happening in Fort Collins at Canvas Stadium. The Hornets had all the momentum, and they would add on and make it 21-3. to Oh, completed pass on the yeah. left flat. A quick look to the outside. The Hornets are going to take it down the sideline. we got to get an official word. They're in. Touchdown. It was a quick look to the outside to Fulcher, and Fulcher does the rest down the sideline for a score. I talk about this a lot in games. There's windows for teams. The Colorado State window to win was really, really small. So after it's 21-3, the Rams get a score late in the first half on a deep throw and kind of get past the Hornets secondary to make it 21-10. Maybe a slight sliver of momentum. I mean, the the energy was a little bit back in the stadium, and you're thinking, okay, this this is that window we're talking about. Maybe they they keep it at 21-10, they stop the Hornets early in the second half, score first in the second half. This is where you could see the route for the Rams. But instead, Sacramento State takes the final possession of the half, goes down the field, and adds points before the break. So now this will be what we got here. 45. 45-yarder as Campos is the long snapper. Stutz is now the holder. Remember, they changed that a week ago. And Kyle Sinkowski from the left hash to try to make it a 24-10 game. Snap comes in. Kick has enough distance, and it is good! Kyle Sinkowski as the half expires, drills it through. Danny, you had a pretty good look at that. Um, you were pretty confident. How good was that kick? Definitely. He had at least another 10 yards on that guy. So great kick, great confidence for Kyle, and great way to end the half, and you get the ball in the second half. 
So the important part about having that halftime lead is adding on to it in the third and fourth quarter. That's what you need to do. If you're a good team and you've established that you are in the first half, you need to back it up with two more good quarters. Well, the Hornets would do that. We've played a lot of offense. Well, how about the defense? Because the Rams are now sensing a sense of desperation. They're going to have to move the ball, have to score points. They get aggressive on fourth down, and the Hornets would make them pay. So here we go, another fourth down play. Critical play here for the Rams. Eight minutes, 15 seconds left in this third quarter. Rams are going for a fourth and short. Snap comes in. Handoff goes. Hornets stack him up in the line of scrimmage. Ball's out. Ball is out. The Hornets are recovered. So they stack the line of scrimmage, recovering it on the edge. Jeremy Harris, turnover, not only on downs, a legitimate turnover. Hornets got in there, jarred the ball loose. It was just sitting at the foot of one of the offensive linemen. So after that, with good field position, Sacramento State goes on and tacks on and scores even more. What do the Hornets do down here? This is usually the Asher O'Hara specialty. You've got Scadaboo's tough to bring down. You've got Studley receivers. The playbook is wide open. O'Hara communicates something to Scadaboo. Third and goal from the one. Only four down linemen. It's not really a crowded line of scrimmage. Snap goes to O'Hara. He's going to keep it. He goes airborne, and he flies through the air and into the end zone for a Hornet touchdown. So O'Hara on the ground, 31-10. Hornets are feeling good, looking good, and all elements, right? We've played some defense. We've got some highlights of the offense. Special teams, Kyle Sinkowski has already converted. Let's have him try another long one to extend the lead even more. So now to try to make it 34-10, this will be a... Let's see, a 47-yard field goal by Kyle Sinkowski. Kyle has made one today. He's definitely got the leg from this distance. Campos, the long snapper. Hunter Stutz, the holder. This to extend the lead between the two hash marks, kicking from right to left. Low snap. Ball placed down. On the way, he drives it, and it is good. Kyle Sinkowski stays on fire and extends the lead to 34-10. All right, our last game highlight comes on... Really, what was the Hornets, I think, benchmark moment of the game? It's not sexy, wasn't super flashy. And I'd said this before the game. Like, if you told me the Hornets were going to win by the score that they did of 41-10, I'm probably thinking, okay, a couple of pick sixes, maybe a kick return or two for a score, Scadaboo runs for two just some outlandish stats. It was just balance all the way through and total control. And the one thing they did in this last kind of game-defining drive was rip the spirit and the soul out of Colorado State because the Hornets just kept converting and converting and converting third downs and second downs into first downs and moving the chains. A 16-play drive taking up nearly the entirety of the quarter, and it was capped by this Scadaboo run. 16th play of the drive, fourth and goal. The Hornets are going to go for it. Both tight ends slide in motion from right. From left to right, fourth and goal, Scadaboo in the backfield. They'll give to Scadaboo. He runs left. He runs with power, and he's into the end zone for a Hornet touchdown. Cameron Scadaboo on the 16th play of the drive, a drive that started with 13 minutes and 37 seconds left in the game, now has 247 on the board. The Hornets have scored 40, and they lead by 30 points. So 41-10 the score. All that happened was all that needed to happen the rest of the way was the final call. Could be the final play of the game. Final minute as uh, Sacramento State gets the snap. Caden Bennett will walk forward, take his time. Now gently takes the knee, and I think he might have done that perfectly. 
as will there be another chance to run a play? They don't have to run another play. Okay. Well, the Hornets. Hornets. Yeah. Da, da, da. The Hornets. We were going to say it at the same time. What a day for Sacramento State football. They came in as an FCS team taking on an FBS team, but it didn't matter. Sacramento State scores the most points they ever have against a team of this level. They win convincingly, 41-10, to 10, and for the first time in 30 years, they go to 3-0. and They get a big paycheck, they'll fly home tonight, and it's good to be a Hornet. How about that, Steve? Stingers up, Sacramento State absolutely dominated Colorado State today. So 41-10 to 10 was the final convincing win, impressive win, one of the best days in the history of the program. Most points they'd ever scored against an FBS team. Fewest points they've ever allowed against an FBS team. As you heard, the first time in 30 years, they're 3-0. and They're trying to get to 4-0 and for the first time and only other time in 40 years. Some historic stuff that this group is doing right now, and it's been truly a joy to watch yet another road win. The regular season win streak is at 11 I mean, this team is doing some amazing things. And by the way, that win streak since it started at Iowa State, uh, Idaho State, excuse me, in the regular season, from that point after that game on, the Hornets have trailed for 14 seconds. 14 seconds against Portland State a year ago. And once they were down, I think they were down four, then the ensuing kickoff returned by Devin Gandy, the distance to put the Hornets back up. Oh, by the way, Gandy, who's been hurt and I believe is going to miss the entirety of the season. They'll probably redshirt him. That's another weapon they still have at some point to their disposal. Maybe he plays at the back end of the year, but it was an injury to his knee. So uh, there's just weapons and weapons and weapons galore for this team, and it's really been a joy to watch. So where are we now? The Hornets are 3-0 and and doing some great things, but league play starts this week. That's what becomes truly important is trying to defend your league title, and it starts with a game and a matchup against Cal Poly. These two teams have played a lot of times over the years. I believe this is the 41st meeting coming up between the two. The series is relatively close, 21-19. to Cal Poly has the season series advantage. Uh, the oddity about this series, especially in the last 10 years or so, the games haven't been close. The last two specifically have favored the Hornets heavily. Before that, it's been Cal Poly by multiple touchdowns. We haven't had a lot of games in this series in recent memory that have gone down to the wire. So if you're Sac State, I hope you have that same kind of mentality. You're now ranked fifth. You have a target on your back. You are a good team. You know you're a good team, but you just can't have let-ups. There's some big games ahead, but I think they believe every game is a big game, and that's the right approach they should have. You don't want the slip-up because you know there's some matchups with Weber State, Eastern Washington, UC Davis, Montana still ahead. The games like this that on paper, for whatever that's worth, look like you can get through. You just need to get through those games. And they did that well last year. A couple of close calls at Idaho State, at Northern Colorado, but they ended up being wins. So you want to start out league play with a win. Most of the rest of the league started league play last week. So you already have Montana, Weber State, Montana State, Idaho State, and Northern Colorado, all with wins at 1-0. and uh, Obviously, Eastern Washington, Northern Arizona, UC Davis, Portland State, and Idaho State started with a loss. The only two teams that didn't play are the ones that are meeting this weekend in Cal Poly. That's Sacramento State and Cal Poly. Cal Poly is 1-2. They have a win over University of San Diego where they had to come from behind to beat them. They lost to Fresno State, and they lost to South Dakota. This team has moved the ball very effectively down the field, just haven't scored enough points. Um, Coach Baldwin is a very good coach. He's a really good offensive coach. He knows Troy Taylor very well. Those two guys were at Eastern Washington before. 
I think their defense is a little bit behind their offense, and it's another one of those teams, if the Hornets do their thing, if they do it well and play right, it should be a good Saturday for them. But football's a funny sport, mistakes, turnovers, miscues, who knows. Um, certainly Cal Poly will have their chances. But I, I like this matchup. Hornets trying to get to 4-0 and for the first time and only other time was in 1982. Man, what a, what a start. And you look at the, the ramifications of the league around them where Montana's ranked, Montana State, um, Weber, based off their early season success, even Eastern Washington, Davis has received votes. Really, everybody in the league has received votes, but at some point in voting this year, but Cal Poly, Northern Colorado, and Idaho State. I think Idaho's improved. The Hornets will face them later on homecoming. So a lot of good teams, certainly um, in the big sky. And if you look at the matchups this week, you also have uh, Montana taking on Idaho State. Uh, NAU is at Portland State. Northern Colorado at Idaho. Uh, UC Davis will be at Montana State. And then Eastern Washington has to go to Florida to play Florida. And by all accounts, I think that game is still going to be uh, played. I know the hurricane situation was it was awful this week, but I think that game is still uh, targeted and as of now scheduled to be played. All right, so we've kind of talked about the Hornets last week, the Hornets this week, what to expect with Cal Poly also around the league. Wanted to uh, jump off board here a little bit and try something a little bit different. We know we've heard some coaches and players but, you know, they say it takes a village, you know, to raise a child. But it takes a village, really, to build a program and build it successfully. And there's a lot of people that are front-facing that you get to see. Troy Taylor, the players, uh, athletic director, president, Mark Orr, President Nelson. There, there, there are a lot of names and faces you see, you know, and you've got uh, opinions on and feelings for and you become attached to. Well, there's a lot of other people behind the scenes and not just assistant coaches, people that help make the program work that are needed, that are of necessity. And I caught up with Garrett Wolf and Garrett for us helps us a lot, certainly with travel. Um, Garrett's a good conduit for me between him and the coach. Also Brian Berger. There's, there's a lot of people like that, that you need, but really more on the football side for these guys for um, all sorts of things. For example, this weekend, the Hornets are going to be at Cal Poly. Um, The weather should be good, but it's a night game. And I've said this before, one of the coldest games I've ever called, was at Cal Poly. It was one of those really warm days in Sacramento. We drove down day of the game and uh, still was early in my broadcasting career as a Hornet announcer, and I I was wearing short sleeves. It was a foolish move. I was freezing out there on the scaffolding that we had on the opposite side of the press box, and it was a cold night. So uh, to that point, Garrett Wolf is is thinking ahead and on it and, and wants to make sure the coaches have warm gear if needed this weekend. Just all sorts of things when you're thinking about hot temperatures, cold temperatures, travel, um, accommodations, but he's always a step ahead. And I think you're going to learn that in our conversation. So I enjoyed it. I hope you you will too. Here's my conversation with really one of the true unsung heroes to the Hornet program. It is, I get to know Garrett Wolf. Garrett, it's been great for us to get to know you, but let, let's let you talk to our audience a little bit more about I guess first, let's start with your title. Like, what would you? I know you do a ton of things, kind of a jack of all trades. But what would you say your official title is with the program? Well, currently, um, the assistant director of football administration. Um, probably a fancy way of saying director of football operations uh, for for most other schools. But um, yeah, handle most everything that's um, you know off the field. Uh, let Coach Taylor and the staff uh, focus on the X's and O's and the direction of the program, and try to keep all the other distractions uh, at a minimum. 
We'll get into your details here, but let's. What's your background? Where did you kind of grow up? How did you, how did you end up getting to Sac State? Yeah, so uh, Coach Taylor was actually my high school football coach at uh, Folsom High School. So um, grew up here in Folsom, locally, Sacramento area, uh, and then uh, went to University of Texas, uh, and from there, kind of started bouncing around with this football thing. Uh, actually. I reconnected with Coach Taylor while he was at Utah and I was at Stanford. So I'd spent four years at Stanford prior to this. And uh, it was fun to reconnect and just shows like never really know where life's going to take you. And obviously reconnected with Coach Taylor and asked me to come here with him. And it's been a, it's been a great ride so far. How would he describe you as a football player? Tenacious, probably. A mm-hmm. uh, little bit. Uh, got that chip on my shoulder from <laughs> being a smaller guy and uh, obviously competitive. Um, so I think it was kind of a natural draw for, for Coach T because, you know, he's one of the most competitive people I've ever met. So mm-hmm. knowing that, um, you know, you want to come in and, and obviously do a good job for him. Um, and he knows you're going to do a, a good job as well. I'm thinking, I mean, you're at Stanford. They're very successful all the years you're there. You're you're watching them win a bunch of games, get to bowl games. Uh, was it Coach Taylor, the relationships, coming back to Sacramento? I mean, that's that's a that's a significant adjustment coming back here. Yeah, you know, my, my family's still here, so that one was, uh, you know, obviously a, a perk uh, of coming back. But, you know, I just always thought, um, you know, having spent time in the big sky that, there were a couple programs in the big sky that I could never really understand how they weren't winning. And Sacramento State was always one of them. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, good football talent in Northern California. And I knew that um, Mark Ward and, uh, and Coach Taylor have, have won, um, you know, pretty much everywhere they've been. Uh, I was part of one of the transformations. Now, we didn't win any state championships at Folsom when I was there, but it was easy to see that, you know, um, things were going in the right direction real early on. And, uh, it just seemed like a good fit, you know, coming home, kind of next phase of life, um, being able to to um, spend time with family, mm-hmm. and then obviously kind of turn this thing around here. Yeah. Um, and all of that's been, been great so far. How do you think Coach does it? Because I love your description. I mean, he's is as competitive as anybody I've ever seen, but there's also, there can be a calm, there can be a push the button when he needs to. He, he's got a really good mix. Obviously, he's brilliant at at the tactics of the sport, but what do you see in him that, why does this work for him? Yeah, I just think there's a there's a care in everything that's done. Everything is thought through. Everything is, um, isn't necessarily on a whim. It's, um, there, there's something tactical about it. And that goes from, you know, how he handles the staff, to how he handles the players, to how he handles the media. Um, you know, all of that stuff is pretty cool to see um, but, you know, I, I just think that there's um, there's good people around here. Um, Coach Taylor's done a great job of, of formulating that staff. Um, so just knowing what winning culture is is something that he is um, obviously very well versed with and mm-hmm. uh, has brought it here. One of the things he that stuck out to me that he said in his opening press conference was love. He's like, love for university, love for your teammates, love for football, so on and so forth. On a uh, personal level, for you, you come to this job, you find love. I mean, that's pretty cool with Dallas. There's connections here with the, with Sacramento State. Um, I don't know if that was something you predicted, but that's a pretty nice uh, byproduct to come to Sac State. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So the, the backstory there for the listeners mm-hmm. was that uh, I met my now fiance mm-hmm. uh, once I got here to Sacramento State, and yeah, it, you know, like I said just a little bit ago, it's it's been nothing but great to be back and. Um, love the guys on this team, love the coaches, love the staff, love my staff. Um, you know, players are, are, are pretty cool. So um, very, very fortunate. Well, let's get into the, some of the duties that you have because it's, there's a lot here that you have to do, especially the Hornets are just about to wrap up a three-game road trip. That's hyperdrive, I think, for you. But kind of take us through a day of, of some of your obligations, certainly with travel, with the team, but just kind of day in the life of Garrett Wolf. Yeah, you know, the, the operations side of things is fun because about every six weeks or so, your your focus moves to something else. Now, obviously, during the during the football season, uh, football is first and foremost, and the travel, you know, never stops. Um, you know, you're always a, a few weeks ahead and coordinating all the travel. But, um, you know, here in a few weeks, we're going to have to start thinking about next year's budget. We're going to have to think mm-hmm. about next year's equipment orders. It's, it's all this stuff that kind of just rolls right into each other you know you get to the winter and now you're dealing with recruiting you get to um the the early spring and you've got winter workouts and uh you're you're actually formulating and finalizing the budget and then in the spring you've got all of your fundraisers and your camps and everything else so every six weeks you're kind of moving into the next chapter of of what's ahead and mm-hmm. um you know coaches are are focused on football but you know, January is going to come quick. And, mm-hmm. uh, when there's not football, we got a bunch of other things coming down the pike. So, I've always wondered, you know, so traveling with the team, and you do such an amazing job, it seems so seamless. But if one thing is off, if a bus is late, most people are pretty cool with it. But I, I, I can just feel your nerves and tension because probably because, you know, you want everything to go perfectly. I don't know if it's like an umpire, like they miss one call and it gets reviewed. Like, how do they miss it? Well, it was pretty good the whole day. And, um, where does your stress level get on, you know, most of us are worrying about what snacks we're eating on the plane, yet you're thinking, man, I hope all the keys are set up, the rooms are right, the the buses are here. you you got a lot of things going through your mind, don't you? There's a lot going on, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say as I've gotten older and spent a little bit more time in the profession and gotten used to it, um, uh, it's definitely a lot easier to just think ahead mm-hmm. um, always have those potential pain points identified before they could happen and you know at times it it probably feels like the outside people you're maybe micromanaging but mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is is you have to, in my role and our roles operations um, people you have to think of what the worst case scenario is and in a weird way you also have to be very positive so trying to do both at the same time is is definitely a, mm-hmm. a, a very hard thing to do so you you've probably seen it right like <laughs> there's times i look a little more stressed out than than probably you handle it well. what i'm mm-hmm. putting off but at the same time there's times where you gotta yeah. you know actually put your foot down or, or say something and you know the the frantic just makes it worse yeah so you kind of have to keep a calm demeanor while you're doing it as well and I know, I mean, it's not this term, it's not babysitting, but, you know, there's 20-year-olds that I was in college too, oh, I forgot my ID or my, my travel bag or, you know, you, it's hurting cats sometimes and sometimes trips go perfectly, but it's maybe the unpredictable that, yeah. hey, I never saw this one coming, but this now happened on this trip. I'm, I'm sure you've got lots of those kind of stories. Yeah, I mean, even, uh, you know, as recent as this past weekend, like this one was very small, but... Uh, our 
the lights in the meeting rooms at the hotel, they were synced um, to all be together. So when the walls, the air walls were up between the meeting rooms and defense wanted to watch film oh. and the offense wanted to talk, the lights kept going out. Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't even something that we'd thought about that there was a computer system in the back that synced and unsynced all of the lights across the room. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, that's a very minuscule thing. But, you know, I think to one of my <laughs> colleagues uh, <laughs> down at USC, right, a few years ago, they're getting off the plane and um, the plane uh, had its weight loaded incorrectly. So when they let everyone off the back of the plane first, the the, the, the actual airplane uh, tilted back and the, the front right. the front tires are, are mm-hmm. just you know off of the tarmac and mm-hmm. now it's like okay plane's damaged right. we're playing wazoo mm-hmm. how are we getting home tomorrow right. so there's just so many crazy factors that you can't really plan for yeah. um, you know Utah got stuck in in Florida mm-hmm. a few a few weeks back um, yeah. and had to stay overnight unexpectedly so they're sleeping, they're sleeping in a meeting room of a hotel yeah. because they have no place to go. So, yeah, there's just there's a lot that you can't control, but it's it's usually how you react yeah. um, that makes you a pretty uh, valuable operations person. I also think about I marvel at this just the amount of food that is consumed by these guys. You know, we go out. There's usually a, a kind of a to go meal to get to the airport. Pretty much land. There's food. There's snack, which is people think of snack like a bag of chips there's there's more food and just post game how long does that take just to even to process and say hey we're ordering 250 burritos or this many pizzas that's just that also seems like a chore yeah you know the the good news is, is i've got a pretty good staff um under me with me um, jeff goldsmith and kenny macklin this year are doing an incredible job um you know, it, it's not just the road that we're feeding all these these guys these meals, right? It's it's every day. Yeah. So um, those guys do a good job of staying organized, um, staying you know within budget, um, giving the guys what they like. Uh, we've got some dietary restrictions, so it's a big task. And and yeah, when we travel, you know, it, it, we're we're traveling sometimes with people outside of our normal hundred and you know twenty people that are here every day with football. So. Um, helping to cater to their needs as well is, is is a big undertaking. They've done a good job. I know you still get to watch football too sometimes. I mean, if your job calls you, you, you need to go do it. But let's go to Saturday. Let's say you're play, they're playing Cal Poly. You're there. You've arrived. It's game time. Once kickoff starts, can you be a fan of the team? I mean, like, or do you have other obligations actually during game? I have a hard time not being engaged with – what's going on so um yeah it it does become a little bit more relaxed for me during the game but i'm still monitoring you know uh, logistical things within the game um you know are the headsets working um do the coaches need something in particular on the sideline or a player that um, i need to help get the equipment staff um tend attending to, mm-hmm. to that need um coming off the field at halftime Post game, getting the locker room cleaned up. It's like there, there's always, always something. something to do, but um, yeah, it, it, there, there's nothing like being on the sideline, and um, I, I think that is, you know, obviously everybody's most enjoyable part of the day. But uh, being able to kind of see, you know, hey, all right, I did my job, I got them here. Mm-hmm. Um, now let's 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 win some football. Yeah.
Well, they're doing that. I'd love your your perspective on this team. You've been to you go to all the practices, whether you're fully engaged or you know being pulled in other directions, and obviously seen all the games every snap. What do you think? I mean, this team's doing some pretty spectacular things right now. Yeah, and you know it's uh, it's a lot of fun being around these guys. It's a lot of fun being around the staff. Um, winning always helps that, um, but it's it's a culture thing. Well, back to you know the beginning of this conversation and. Uh, done a good job it's expected um, we know what that is um, so anything that that my crew and I can do to help um, make that the main focus that's what we're here to do we were talking about that last week in the broadcast Steve Danny and I that the other two times in the Hornets that we've called games that they've won at the FBS level basically came at the end so you know screaming we're going nuts players are storming the field last week was inevitable it was just going to happen and it looked like they beat any other team, a big sky team, a non big sky. Like, I don't know if they expected it, but they look like they did. And it was just, I don't want to say ho hum, but like, this is kind of what we do. It's, it's really interesting to see the perspective of this team. Yeah. I think we kind of felt the same way. I mean, yeah. any football game is hard to win, yeah. but, um, you know, came off the field, um, celebrated it, mm-hmm. you know, in the locker room on the flight home Yeah, and got back Sunday. And now we're talking about Cal Poly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, you know, very indicative of the culture, right? Mm-hmm. Just move on to the next game, and Coach Taylor says it every single week. So, yeah, um, yeah it, it's pretty cool. All right, last thing, too. I know, um, don't you have some, ob- or I don't know if obligations. Are you, you're always aware of the schedule and looking at how far out do you know, or in our planning even, like, for next year in 2024 and 2025, like, how, how much is that all on your radar? Pretty good idea. And now that we've uh, gotten through um, one year post COVID, mm-hmm. um, you know we have a, a little bit more of a blueprint for what the off season looks like. You know, nineteen was our first year here, um, and even um, up until spring of twenty twenty two, this past year, we hadn't actually this staff, Coach Taylor's staff, hadn't had a true spring ball. Um, until really year three, at least one that we controlled the schedule for. Because um, back in 19, when we got here, the guys' class schedule was set up for for morning practices. And um, now that we're now that we're kind of in the full swing of it, and Coach Taylor has everything how yeah. he likes and and how our staff wants to do things, um, it's it's pretty much plug and play. Yeah. So it's just more of you know putting the smaller pieces together within the the framework of that schedule. Well, I think it was good to learn a little bit more about what you do. I know uh, I don't think you had officially picked a date with Dallas, but you probably have. If you need tables moved, I think you got a bunch of people that'd be willing to help you out. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that here after the <laughs> end of football season, yeah. and uh, probably looking at you know summer of twenty twenty four, so that we have plenty of times to organize and uh, <laughs> plan the logistics for our own wedding. So it should be fun. Well, thank you for everything you help us out with, and uh, I just thought it'd be good to to learn a little bit more about. I mean, there's a lot of people involved. We see the the results of Saturday, but it really does take a village to build a program, and, and you and all the others have, have done an amazing job, so keep up the good work. No, thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. My thanks to Garrett Wolf. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. We wish him and Dallas certainly nothing but the best. Those two are great together and great Hornets, and hopefully the Hornets will continue their greatness this weekend. 
want to make sure you check us out on our radio broadcast with me and Steve McElroy and Danny Sullivan. We'll be down there calling the game, and hopefully next week I'll be breaking down results of what we hope is a, is a Hornet win. But the Hornets are going to have to play well to take on this Cal Poly team. They'll finally be back at home uh, the next week after that. But, hey, make that trip. We're driving down there. You guys can do the same. It's a good environment. Cal Poly is a great city down there in San Luis Obispo. Um, I think you'd enjoy it. Make a weekend of it and go out and support Hornet football if you can. If you miss it, we'll recap it all next week. We do thank you for listening to each and every week here to the podcast. Tell a friend again out there that we are out there. And we do thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Stingers Up Sacramento State Football Podcast. See ya.